Hey folks, and welcome to the second episode of, of Dice and Robs, in which me, Rob, and my friend, Rob, we roll some dice, uh, and we pick a topic out of those dice, and we discuss it at length, ad infinitum, until we kind of run out of things to say. <laughs> well. And my colleague on this is also Rob. Hello, um, I'm Rob Wickings, um, you can call me Konohito, and that's the um, nom de plume I go by on on most social media networks. Let's roll the dice and get to it, shall we? So folks, the way this works is uh, we have a list of topics, 25 currently. I have in my hand some dice, you can hear that. <sighs> I roll those dice, the number on those dice will relate to one topic on there, and then we talk from there. So this is essentially conversation at random so here goes number 15 number 15 make me a mixtape oh, that's a good one. it is a good one. now i i think there's a few things to discuss here um obviously music these days is about sort of moving away from the idea of the album yes the, the the idea of the artist curated sequence of music mm. if you like and into something that's a lot more kind of personal I, i'm a huge fan of mixtapes and i have been since um i'm a child of the 80s I'm, yeah um and i loved back in the day actually sitting in front of a cassette recorder with the pause and play buttons and making mixtapes from my dad's vinyl mm. later my own vinyl um radio one back in the day i i used to have a ton of big of tapes that i would grab from um john peel and Kit jensen uh and the sort of the, the sort of later night radio one uh when it was the interesting indie stuff of the day and it would be wonderful because I would be sitting there, headphones on, and trying to get as little of the DJs into that tape as possible. That was that was the skill, wasn't it? Getting that fine line of like, uh, anytime get the full song. Yeah, I, I mean, sometimes it would be nice to actually get a little bit of that dry John Peel commentary in there, where he'd sort of just just be talking over the fade out and he'd let you know about about that sort of stuff but John Peel was always very mixtape friendly I felt because he would let stuff play all the way into the fade out and he'd sometimes just leave that respectful second mm. so if you were just watchful mm. enough you could just grab that yeah, hit, hit, hit the pause button and you just get that perfect pause before zipping into the next one and even if you messed it up, sometimes it didn't really matter. You know, you'd have a mixtape full of John Peel saying, um, and uh, and bleh, and just, just these, odd, odd, these odd little syllables. And it kind of added that little bit, bit of texture into your mixtapes. See, I'm, I'm a little bit younger than Rob. Um, I was born in 82. Um, so <coughs> I'm kind of really a child of the 90s, if anything. Um, but the for me, mixtapes... I mean, I didn't have vinyl, but a lot of radio. And I also was not as cool as Rob. And so me was mainly the top 40 on Sunday afternoons, trying to grab those and put those onto tapes. My real sort of, supposedly the explosion of mixtapes for me um, was probably around, I think I must have been 16, 17. So here we're looking at 98, 99 onwards. I'm at school and 
my friends and I learned to drive. Not me, my friend. But so we first in our lives, we have cars. And communal music becomes a thing that we can do. Prior to that, mm. everyone had Walkmans, but then we, we, weren't, you know, we weren't the generation that walked around with phones playing music loud. Like them. We, communal music came from being in the car together. So my friend Rich, first one to pass his test, um, and so he had a tape deck in his Ford Fiesta. And this birthed this friendly but certainly competitive period in our lives in which which one of us could put together the best mixtape for us to enjoy in the car. It was just driving around Reading, just driving, driving, you know, from school to town or from town to people's houses, just kind of bumming around Reading, really. But you admit, mm. we, I think they, they sort of, it wasn't like, no one like, codified it as a competition, but it was just like, oh, I've brought in a tape. How about we listen to my tape today? And this became this yeah. weird sort of thing of, of who had the tapes and what was the good tape and stuff. And this period is what birthed so much of my musical taste to this day. These mixtapes is where I found bands like Everclear, like the Eels, like uh, that mm. kind of this music that sort of went on. Green Day is where I, I've met Green Day on these on these albums. Um, my friend still has the tapes, and I've got a couple here somewhere because um, I still I still have a a tape player in my lounge, a mixtape for, for for me to play these tapes. They have not aged mm. well, um, but for <laughs> me, like, mixtapes were this huge part of of this part of my life i never did the mixtapes for a girl thing um i i, I think it was a little bit too late in the day for that to be my thing occasional cds when we moved into the cd world but a tape tape i never really did mm, yeah I, I was kind of the very tail end of that i have made mixtapes where i wanted to impress a girl and inevitably did it never really worked <laughs> no no absolutely not absolutely not at all um the one person that I did make a mix tape for that it kind of worked for, yeah, she 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 said afterwards it it wasn't about the tape. It was kind of just about the gesture, really. And, and, and I think that's the important thing that mm. what you're doing is making something handcrafted. It's not about necessarily the choice of music. It's about you sitting there and building something. And taking the time and the effort, and, and and I'd be all as much about the covers as I would be about the um, about the tape itself. Mm. Um, I would spend hours, absolutely hours, on the covers of my uh, of my mixtapes. They'd be like proper. It, it it's kind of difficult to articulate to, obviously, an audience that probably doesn't recognize or remember what 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 the specific dimensions of 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 a tape were but you could kind of build a thing where you'd have like a fold out mm-hmm. cover yeah so, so it'd be like a be like a, a like double triple fold on the front cover and that would be fantastic because that would mean you could you could kind of have like a statement on the front cover that would be like an a imagine a sort of uh portrait sort of uh, I, I, want, I keep wanting to say A4, which is obviously not right at all. But, those, but, that but ratio, you, certainly. It's that ratio, yeah, absolutely. Where, you'd have, where you could put a bold statement on that front, and then you could kind of do like a triple, or sometimes offer a, even a quadruple fold-out, mm. where you could put all sorts of other stuff on the outside and on the inside as well. You could go, re, you could really go to town 
with the artwork on this stuff if you wanted. Quickly want to point out, I just had a quick raid of my of my to be here next to me Ooh. is a tape in its case. Oh wonderful. This isn't a mix this is the cream of Eric Clapton on tape I've got here. Fantastic. Um, but this talking about cover, but this is it is that like the normal shape, but this folds out one, two, three, four, five times. Five times. Wow. Uh, and I've got a uh, ten photo montage of Eric Clapton through the years. Right. Um, this is the first ever tape I owned. This wow. Is, um, when I was I have been early teens, my dad gave me his old stereo. At that boy just did tapes. Yeah. Um, and he said, Rob, Rob, you've got to play something good on the first time <laughs> you have this. And he handed me this and went, the first track's called Layla. You'll like it. And so to this day, every time I get a new stereo of any sort, the first track goes on that. It's always Layla. Wow. And this is, this is this in my hand. This is, oh, 25 years later, is the tape that my dad gave me, the cream of Eric Clapton. Oh. Not a mixtape, um, but obviously in a, in a way it is. Obviously it's a best of. Um but for me, so the the big explosion in mixtapes, you want to extend it a little bit, was CDs. Mm. And I like what you said there about, about the act of making was more important than music. Yes. Yeah. And I do remember a point at which, I can't remember it well, but I remember realising, like, I, I, for a lot of the tapes I made, I thought, well, what's the coolest song I knew? knew? What's the oddest, most unusual, that kind of way you are, like, you're into music at a certain age. Like, well, what's, the, what's the unusual thing? What's the things you might not have heard? Yeah. Um, and... It was realising at a certain point, you know what, if, if I'm making someone mix it, boy or girl, whoever I'm making it, it's about them, not me. Like, what will they like? Right. You know, if, if I'm going to use this this tape to show off my feelings and my emotions and also my musical knowledge, you, you, you want to seem cool? Yeah. That's our point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's, it's balancing those two things. And I think so many times when I saw mixtapes being made, you fell too far one way or the other. Like you can't open a mixtape with "I will always love you." Oh like, God, that is not how you, you can't do that, um, or whatever the you know electro punk, steampunk version of that is. You've got you can't open with that you know heart on the lineness. But the same way you can't open with something like the Dead Milkman, which is a great band, but no one's ever heard of them really. And you kind of oh look how cool I am with what I, what I know. Like you've got mm. to find that line, thread that needle between the two, yeah, which you're bringing good things and be also making it personal without being like, here's my heart, why don't you love me? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How, how do you feel about the notion of mixtapes made for you? I love them. As, as opposed to them being, being a mixtape made to impress someone else, a mixtape made for your own pleasure. Oh, for me, as in me making me for me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm a... Big fan. I mean, this then I'm, I'm going to throw it wide, guys, because we're, we're in 2019 now. Um, mm. For me, I have several Spotify playlists, which are my mixtapes in this day and age. Mm. Um, and for me, I have those that are they're mood. I have one that is just awesome, Rob likes, but I also have ones that are like, you know, what today I want to embrace. Maybe a bit, a bit melancholy. I want to deal with that. Uh, yeah. Or yeah, or yeah, even yeah. I've got one that's like, you know, this is my I'm feeling low. I'm feeling you know, I'm not being productive. This is my, you know what? Get up there and get out there, Rob, and do stuff. You know, yeah. that opens with uh, my shot from Hamilton and goes from there. Um, so I, I think, I think I'm all about using music for your own benefit. 
um, be that you know a genre based thing, be that a theme based thing, even be you know a um, sort of a, a emotional tool. I do talk about now. I do recall this must have been ten years ago. You and I mm. participated in something called Spot Stock. Yes, I remember Spot Stock very well. Um, I, 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 I found it through you, through you, through you, but basically a, a third party who I didn't know was putting together a series of Spotify playlists um, for like a, a music festival. Yeah. Um, and I curated, uh, which I'm very proud of, I curated a Spotify playlist of celebrities trying to be singers. <laughs> so it was uh, obviously William Shatner. It was um, Bruno, so Bruce Willis. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I remember Scarlett this. Johansson released an album. Or two. Oh God, Scarlett Johansson released an album of Tom Waits covers. Yes. Oh my um, and she, God. she also released. I believe she also released her own album of um, like music. But but yeah, I remember curating it. like. I went deep, and like the amount of really weird people who'd released, um, released like a, a a version of of some sort of album, um, and like I remember that I, I, I I'm just literally scrolling as I check talk to you, but I'm pretty sure I've still got that album that that playlist set up somewhere. It's probably still on the on on the spot stock. Um, if if that thing still exists, I'm trying to fire up my Spotify account as we speak, and of course it's it's kind of juddery and slow because it's Friday evening and everyone's on the internet. But hey, oh, I, I, I have it in front of me. Ah, wonderful. So people who have released albums that are on his album, which was probably Jeff Daniels mm. has released an album. Hugh Laurie has released a, uh, a blues album. Mini Driver, Crispin Glover, Mandy Potemkin. Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal, yeah, absolutely. Mad- Linda Carter. Yeah, I mean, Mandy Potemkin started in musical theatre, so of course, uh, yeah, absolutely understandable. Yeah. Obviously, the classic of uh, Bill Baggins. Uh, Robert Mitchum released yeah. an album. Jane Mansfield, Clint Eastwood, Joe Pesci singing What a Wonderful World. Joe Pesci, holy smoke, but that's a stormer. I will throw a link to these in the uh, in this uh, show notes, guys. Um, but yeah, I, I remember being taking great pleasure in that in that album. Mm, absolutely. So, I mean, there, 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 there's great joy in self curating. Mm. I think the danger these days, of course, with um, with Spotify is that it's very easy to just go completely off reservation, and the next thing you know, you've got a playlist of stuff that's like 24 hours long. Mm. I've done this before for parties. Uh, yes um, where it's just like oh yeah just a few tracks and next thing you know it, you know you've got to play this at 24 hours long and that's kind of the joy i guess of the mixtape where mm. you you know the the longest you ever get per side would be i don't know 60 minutes a side or, or on a yeah. c120 but i mean my personal favorite was always the c90 you know you get 45 minutes a side and that would be two sides of a decent statement yeah if you've got that right then that was a thing of joy and beauty you know you felt like you could craft a pretty decent musical statement in the course of what would be effectively a double album and i, I always enjoyed when i was making mixtapes which i think has been lost immensely in the even the movie to cds and movie to cds to streams is the, there being two sides 
mm. gave you this amazing chance to to flip it on its head. Yeah. Like, I love, I love punk music. I'm a big, I'm, the biggest middle of my life is punk and ska and that whole music. But I've also, I, I grew up listening to a lot of, you know, like um, folk and that kind of thing. And sure. more chilled out. And I always loved having one side of an album that was not chilled out, but it was much more sort of homespun and much more folky and much more of that kind of ilk. Mm. And then you flip it over and it's, you know, it's the Dick Kennedys and it's, it's minor threat, and you can, and, and like having that flipping, which you're like, okay, here's here's one mixtape, but really, it's two things for you, and yeah. you can pick day to day. I mean, yeah, you got to rewind the tape, but you can pick what I want day. Bing bong, there it is. And I think that's if you want to get into the, into the into the the guts of this nitty bit, I think that that's where like you've the the, the moment in which you switch sides in a album, you've got to do that right. Mm, yes, absolutely. Especially if you're giving, if you give it someone as a gift, as a, as a statement, you're going to give it to them at a certain point. So they're going to go in with a um, with a first song, but they're going to play it through and it's going to wind down that first side, and then you're going to come back on that second side. And that changeover is something you got to nail because if you get that right, that is a, a euphoric moment in which you can kind of take them from one side and flip into something new and it still works. It's almost theatrical in a way, isn't it? It's like an act one, act two kind of a deal. Mm. And that, Absolutely. And that, and that can be a joyous thing. I, 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 I kind of grew up, obviously, earlier than you, Rob, but I grew up in an era of prog rock. But prog rock yes. was still very much, came from a vinyl uh perspective so mm. everyone talks about how prog rock was all oh it's really bloated and it's really you know it's self-indulgent yes it is but it would always be about it's still about that sort of con- it, it, it's 20 to 25 minutes at the absolute maximum per side so even if if someone presents a side that is just one track that's still only 25 minutes long Mm. So you've still got that, that a little sense of brevity in there. And, and inevitably what you kind of get would be like the Pog Rock album would be like one side where you'd have the single and other bits and bobs. And then you maybe have the flip where side two would be the magnum opus. It would be the big deal. It would be the, yeah, it, it, it would be the, the big kahuna burger, the, the 20 minute three mm movement kind of epic but you'd still have that kind of you'd have that flip so it wouldn't be like side one one thing side one one thing it, there, there would be that kind of discrepancy between the two sides so you'd have that kind of difference you'd have that kind of yeah it, it, it's a chance to show off two sides of of what you're doing yeah exactly which i think has been exactly. lost a little bit in 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 the switch over to uh, these uh, modern day technologies, we we are such old men. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it, uh, it, it's kind of. Uh, 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 I was wandering through a gift shop the other day, and they had the whole mixed. Yeah, make your friends a mixtape, and it, mm. it, it basically a USB stick that you could stick into this little sort of cardboard container that looked like a tape deck. It's kind of like, well, yeah, but unless it's it, how how do you flip 
a mm. USB, so it's side one, side two. That's that. I, I think that's kind of what we we have definitely lost in in music these days. Is the idea of having a pause, a gap, a side one, side two. Short of yes. you actually, short of you actually having like a, a Spotify playlist with a two minute gap mm. between one side and the other, but then you, then you're sort of wandering down that whole nasty slippery slope of the whole sort of um, hidden track at the end of the CD. It's it's an unusual take, but I'm a big fan of those. Really? Yeah, I I, I know they get a lot of hate, and I totally understand why. But I just remember as a kid. Being like the first first flush of that, we you know the CDs in the nineties, mm. and it just really blew my mind. You put a CD on, and like plenty of things, like certain albums, like Robin Williams' Life Through a Lens, mm. and I think one of the Prodigies has got a uh, secret track as well. Yeah, and like just be like kind of zoning out, and and, and then be like, bang, another track, and actually it being this amazing sort of secret thing. Um, I get in in the days of like streaming, they make such little sense mm. because you've got like you, people as you, as you open, people aren't listening to albums as albums anymore. Yes, yeah, but very true. When whilst they were still in album form, I'm a I'm a fan. I'm a fan of those things. But once again, this is another one of those hills in which I stand alone mostly. Um, but no, I'm 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 a big fan of them. There's there's one. There's one example I can think of where it does actually work, and it's the first Jarvis Cocker album, where um, there is like a twenty, like a ten, fifteen, possibly twenty minute gap. There's a huge gap between the last track of the album per se, and then the hidden track, which is kind of a shame because the hidden track is fantastic. It's called Running the World. Okay, but it's. It's probably Jarvis's most overtly political song, and the chorus basically goes, "Cunts are still running the world." <laughs> so I can see why he's kind of tucked it away a little bit. We've just lost our uh, our clean rating there, iTunes. That's that's fine. I, I I'm not apologising. The, the the words in the the um, Oxford English Dictionary. I I yeah, the, the notion of offensive language is 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 offensive to me. So I remember that when you when you meet my, my daughter. <laughs> so I, I will I will watch watch my language at that point. Honestly, like I'm gonna segue here a little bit, Billy. That's one of those weird things about being a parent. If just like I swear, my wife swears. Yeah, but swearing in front of my two year old seems like a terrible, terrible thing. It absolutely is. You're absolutely right, and and, and it's the weirdest um, thing, isn't it? How- uh, at what point does that change? Like, at what point do we go? Oh, by the way, daughter, <laughs> uh, me and my mum, we say fuck <laughs> an awful lot, um, and um, and it, it, it's a really weird thing. And like, I get like like movies and like things racing. I like, get you know, like, like, you progress through this. There's, there's like a you know a hierarchy that progress through. But like, do I think? Well, she's five now. I can probably say crap. Oh, it's ten now. Let's bring in mm. shit, and, and we work our way up on our 18th birthday. You're like, hey, happy birthday! How does that work? Well, how how are you leading into this? What, what's going to happen is that she will surprise you, and she will swear in front of you first before you're ready for it. I'm gonna. I've mentioned this before, but I remember when I was oh, I've been thirteen. 
I was about to go to, go to, go to secondary yeah. school. And I was on, on some holidays, um, and my dad was obviously working, um, and I took a couple of days out to work. He worked in the field for the water board, driving around, doing uh, measurements mm-hmm. and stuff. And so I, I could kind of jump in his car and go for a day with him, and no one really knew or care. And I remember thinking, I'm going to get the talk here. I'm at the age now, I'm going to get the... That the birds and bees do. I've had, you know, at school, I'm going to get the talk. And we're somewhere, we're parked up, we're having lunch, and Dad's like, all right, Rob, we need to talk. I'm like, okay, okay, okay fair enough. I'm ready, ready to okay, you get, You're going to big school in the new year. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, You're going to hear a bunch of swear words there. I need to make sure you know, A, what they mean, <gasps> B, the ones you can say at home in front of your mother. Oh my god! And spent half an hour, probably about, teaching me all the swear words he knew, <laughs> what they meant, like the context to use them, how to use them as best he could, and basically, like you could probably at home, at home, you can say probably say crap. I wouldn't risk it there with your mum. Anything more than that, don't say in front of your mum. You'll hear these words. Don't repeat them at home in front of your mum. Um, and like I look back now, that is genius. absolutely top class parenting. That is amazing. Because I went into school. No, like, he, he, he's very clear. He's like these are not things you should say all the time. This is not yeah. your new vocabulary. But you'll hear them, and you need to know what they mean. And he, uh, it was very clear. Like I knew what I couldn't say at home. I didn't come home and suddenly say yeah. shit from mum because he told me not to. But when at kids at school, I could like connect. Yeah. No. Um, and then, like, I look back now, I think that was genius. We never had the sex talk; like that never happened. But I had the swearing talk. That is, uh, that, uh, uh, I mean, absolutely hands up to you, Dad, for that. That is, that is proper life school of life training. That's wonderful. That, that's my dad. <laughs> the, yeah, the, uh, yeah. I, I would happily shake your dad's hand all over again. I've done it before. I'll do it again. That that was just. Yes, well done. I'm, I'm going to bring this back round to uh, mixtapes cunningly. Here. Okay. <laughs> um, there's a album, like a double mm. a double tape set, um, when right. those things were a big popular in sort of the late 1890s, uh, called the Summer mm-hmm. Album. Um, oh yeah. And I can picture in my head. It's a, it's a blue cover with like a bright yellow umbrella, um, and it's you know it's it's all somewhat summer. You know, it's the Barracudas. It's um, Cliff Richard goes on holiday. It's all summer holiday songs. Um, yeah. And it's two tape decks, two two, two tapes. And yeah. my dad was a big one for taking those and putting them on one tape. Going through, oh, really? picking out the good songs, dumping the bad songs, and pulling together the greatest hits, the greatest hits, as it were. Um, okay. Being a family from Cornish family, we're in Reading, we did a lot of long drives. So yeah. like, the car, music in the car was a big thing for us. And he put these tapes together. And infamously, yeah. infamously, the... The summer tape, as it was known, um, was mm-hmm. his version of this. And halfway through the second track, one of the songs, like halfway through, it stops. And you can hear a phone ringing. And my dad answers the phone. And he goes, hello? Yes. No, no. I'll just get it for you. And then he leaves the room. It's like, it's like 20 seconds of silence. And then press play again. And, I'm just like, and he's like, dad's like, yeah... I couldn't be bothered to do it again. So we like, and this became like we listened to this every whole every drive for a decade. We listened to this album. God. Um, and there's that a bit just... in which Dad just takes phone call and carries on. 
have to find that now. I absolutely love that. That that, that that's that that's the pro level of 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 getting John Peel sort of saying um in the middle of something. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just one of those little family stories that. It's, it's very hard to explain, but like that's such that's like a key. It's like a, a lodestone of my family together is Dad's phone call on the subject that you listen to in the car together. Yep, on a drive down to Cornwall or, or Devon or whatever for ten never, years. Never Devon. Never Devon. Oh, De- oh, okay. Cornish. Cornish. Uh, you could do a lot somewhere. Right. Okay. That that's a subject for an entirely different podcast. That is. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so at work was like there's a place where I'm like you I will kill you yeah that was lovely you know at every, as I've driven it through it at top speed it looks lovely you know <laughs> as we throw these signs at everybody wow there, there, there is an awful lot to unpack here that, again <laughs> I, 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 I may I may have to game the, um, the, the, the the dice toss for the next one because I'm deeply I'm, intrigued I'm, by this I was about to say I'm a proud son of Kerno, um, mm. but uh, the sons of Kerno's are like the uh, separatist nationalist movement, so I'm let's, really not one of those. Let's not do that, shall we? Uh, no, no. Cornwall is its own country, but at the same time, it would not survive if it didn't have <laughs> the rest of England to, you know, to come visit. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not an archipelago. It's, it, it's not even a peninsula, is it? It's kind of firmly attached to the rest of the country. So We are very much that way, and it's for the best. Yeah, absolutely right. So, Rob, I'm going to put you on the spot now. Mistakes. Go on. You've got to make me one. Okay. What's the first song and the second song you go with? Oh, my God. Right, okay, that is seriously on the spot. Okay, um... You're very punky. I am, I am. You, but I, you, I, I, I have, you know, a, a, a wide slice of music. Okay. Well, I would probably start you off with um, the MC5's Kick Out The Jams, just because it's the best start to any mixtape ever, because you've got that spoken word intro. Mm-hmm. You've got that whole thing. You've got Rob Tyler sort of going, now, now is the time, now is the time. He's, kick out the jabs! And I won't repeat the other word because obviously your daughter might be listening. Well, we've said cunt twice so far, so probably not. <laughs> yeah. So, so so that's track one. And then from there, geez. Um, oh, man, you've really put me on the spot here. Uh, I'd probably go with... I probably uh, I probably go with something from either Huskadoo or Big Black, just to keep it, just to keep it punky, but kind of uh, rooting it slightly more into my era, if you like. Because yeah, yeah. So probably something like Big Black's um, Kerosene would be fantastic because that has just got this incredible percussive. Um, guitar line in it big black are very very sort of confrontational in your face steve albini who fronted them is probably best known these days as a producer he produced things like um, nirvana's in utero and and stuff like that but i really dig what he did as big black he's still working um with various different people uh, and doing amazing stuff. But yeah, yeah, that's probably the, yeah. Okay. So, so we go with that. So we go MC five, kick out of the jams, uh, 
and then Big Black Kerosene as track two. It's an incredibly aggressive start, and I'm probably gentle it out towards the end, but yeah, that would be my go with it. I like it. I like it. I'm down for that. Down for okay. That. Okay, so um, your turn then. All right. Um, my feel is more towards sort of um, power pop. Okay. So, so things like um, I, I, I love sort of that sort of eighties jangle pop, sort of REM, um, long mm. riders, that kind of stuff, or even sort of into the sort of seventies big star. Okay, so I think if, I, if, I'm, if I'm doing one for you, I'm doing one for you. I'm gonna take an. A leaf out of your little bit. I like the idea of of, of a spoken word intro. Like, like a, it's a good, strong, stylistic intro to a um thing. But I'm going to go slightly different. I'm going to go for the train spotting version of Lust for Life. Nice, like it. You open with the Choose Life. Yeah. And then you kick into Lust for Life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that, that, that's a, you, you get you get the motion from the speech. You get something from there, and it's, it's, it's a it's a banging tune. Oh yeah, yeah. Can't go wrong with that. So I'm going there, and I think. See, I want to keep the energy up. I want to keep the energy up. I, want, yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't want to chill it off too soon, um, but I don't want to go more down that way. So I'm going to just kind of switch genres a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to go big band, um, and I'm going to do Jules Holland and Suggs singing oh. "Oranges and Lemons." Oh, okay. Um, it's it's poppy, it's bright, but it's that kind of big band sound. And I think off the back of the high energy lust for life, you you, you, you keep going without burning out. Yeah. And I think I think you dig that. I don't know where you stand on Suggs. I think you're a George Holland fan. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but but I think that could be in your wheelhouse, and it would be something that's interesting without being like too obvious. I can see the bounce in it, definitely. Yeah. Do, do you know the track? I, I don't. I'll have to. Oh, I'll have to have a listen to it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Suggs, I have a lot of time for, an awful lot of time for. So, yeah, I would be yeah, happy to give that a go. I did finally see Madness live a few years ago. Never, never done that. Never done that. Re- Ready Festival one year, um, and. I went a lot of, like, both Rob and I are from Reading uh, well mm-hmm. I'm from Reading he lived in Reading um, and I went a lot as a teenager during a festival so late 90s early 2000s went a lot um, and then my wife and I went I don't know it must have been five years ago mm. Muse headlining Pulp headlining it was like the last big hurrah of that era of music it's a bit more kind of poppy it's a new taste moved on now it's a very different festival these days mm. um and Madness were like a Saturday afternoon slot on the main stage. And I just be like, they're Madness. Why are they not headlining? Yeah. Why are they not headlining? It's Madness. And then I, I, I got it and I realised because they are bright sunshine. Everyone's got to be in music. Yes, absolutely. You know, ready? Last few sets of the festival, it's dark, you're at a rock club and that's brilliant. But that is Madness. Madness is middle of the afternoon, a little bit of a slump. They break out all the classics. Everyone's up and dancing. And it was it was perfect. It was one of the best. It was I saw them and Pulp on the same day, and I looked back and that was one of the best things music in my entire life. That sounds amazing. That's a that's a properly good lineup. It was it was it was cracking. It, it was the last festival that me and my wife went to really, um, and we went out on a really good high. Mm. 
Uh, but we were at that age, like, where we were like, okay, we're going to take some nice water and some drinks and some deck chairs. And we were like, we're no longer going to be at the front. We're going to be near the back and we have good seats and some lovely food and we're going to watch good music. Oh my God, you, you, you've become a grown-up. Yes, yes. Oh. And, but it was, but like, it, like for, to, to carry on that conversation a little bit, like, becoming a grown-up was one of the greatest pleasures of my life because I could... Just relax into it. I remember turning 30 and one of my colleagues at the time was like, 30's brilliant, Rob, because you can stop caring what's cool. <sighs> and I did. And it's just like, yeah, I'm 30 now. If I'm going to reinvest all I can, and I don't really care if people think I'm old and uncool for having a chair, I'm going to be really fucking comfy in my chair. Mm. Yeah, no, you, you're absolutely right. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm in total agreement of that. Comfy over cool every yeah. single time. Um this this summer, um, kind of talking about the Reading Festival, but not there, there, there's there's a, there's a few alternatives to the Reading Festival that kick around in Reading now. Reading is becoming much more interesting in the music scene, um, and there's there's a little festival that's kind of in um, what's called uh, uh, Christchurch Meadows, just on the river, and. It's been. It started off as, a, as kind of a tiny little gathering, a couple of tents with a few local bands. And this year, they've got people like the All playing. They've got people like Musical Youth, the Primitives, all that kind of stuff going on. Twenty quid for a weekend ticket, and it's it's down by the river. It's it's not the Reading Festival by any means, but it's an amazing little kind of just gathering of like-minded people there's some fantastic pubs around there as well that are all doing fringe events absolute joy i'm going to be there and it's kind of sounds great yeah yeah so it's sort of mid-july that is one of the downsides of living in telford right now because it's a new town Mm. it doesn't have an established history of these things we don't have little venues that put on stuff we have that there are big there's a big bowl in town that puts on huge concerts and we have some really, really big names come here. Um, but we haven't got that history of, here's the pub with the back room. Yeah. We haven't got the history of, like, the Turtle in Reading or the Fez Club when it was here. We haven't got those places. Yeah. Because it's a new town. And that is, like, that is one of the really things that I just, as much as I like, I really do like living in Telford. It's one thing that the town never managed to get is that kind of feeling of, I suppose, the, 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 the niche, the, 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 the small places that start that grow into the big things that that, that, that you say like it grew from this thing into this it's the depth of coverage so you can have people coming in that sort of do do the sort of arty stuff the sort of skewed and angular Mm. thing or you've got the popular stuff and this is kind of what I like about Reading now is that it has that kind of it suddenly fe- it feels over the past sort of two three years or so. Not necessarily so much when I first moved in here. I moved in about sort of fifteen years ago, I guess. But certainly in the past sort of like I say two three years, there's this sudden sense of mm. musical depth and just people wanted to come here and play. You've got venues like South Street and. Um, You've got the After Dark, which has started doing music again, and Ready Pop doing all sorts of stuff, and it just feels like a place that's that mm. suddenly got an art scene that it never really kind of no, that's a, had. 
Well, I mean, one of the back when I started, the, uh, the double-edged sword of Grim Reading is we had the festival every year. That was amazing, but outside of that, mm. not much happened. Because yeah. why would you play Reading that wasn't the festival? And so we end yeah. this weird kind of like dearth of bands the rest of the year round, apart from like the local ones and the little who already supported. But the bigger ones, like the, the mid-tier ones, didn't come because yeah. they're going to come in, in summer for the festival, so they wouldn't come in you know, in May and do a little tour here. So we just didn't get that kind of thing. And I'm so glad. I mean, I'm not there to enjoy it, but I'm so glad yeah. that uh, that's happening. The, the joy of it now is that you get these weird little pearls that turn up for... Uh, it's kind of... I, I don't know why you're playing Reddick, but I'm really pleased that you are. So um, in the next few weeks, Sleeve of Mods are playing Reddick. They're playing some eighty nine, this tiny little sweaty little club. Um, Robin Hitchcock's playing. Um, there's all sorts of weird little ba- bands that, that you wouldn't expect to see that uh, that just drop in. So ping, hello, here we are. Um, Wolf Alice played in Reading a few years ago. Just you know, popped in, dropped in for a night. Amazing night, just an incredible gig, and. They, it was almost like they, they, they did that, bang, mm. done Reading, and then they just took off. And I've seen that an awful lot, where you, you get the bands that sort of almost do, sort of, they, they do Reading yeah. Sub 89, and they just go through That's the roof. So, I'm, you know, I am a, a massive advocate of Reading as the best town in England. It's the biggest town in England. It's, 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 we keep trying to get go for city status, but to be mm. honest with you, I'd rather us be the biggest town in England rather than just another city. It's like, yeah, whatever. We've got history. We've got legacy. We've we've we everything's here. Yeah, you, know, you, you you could be boring and go. Oh, we've got really good transport links. Uh, oh, we've got, we've got fantastic infrastructure. But there's something about this town that just feels like licking a battery. I think because we're kind of sat on mm. sort of this cross point between the Thames and the Kennet and Avon Canal cross through Reading, you've got that kind of crossroads feel. And any town that sits on any kind of crossroads has got this real kind of something to it, this electricity, this interest, this buzz and... I love that about this town. There, there, I'm, I couldn't be happier about the fact that I'm living here. This episode, guys, is sponsored by the Reading Tourist Board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Reading, Reading Borough Council, if you're interested in, in dropping some money to um, to our little podcast, I am more than happy to, to go off, off, off trail for 10 minutes every episode and just advocate this place. So You are making me homesick. And, uh... Oh, Oh, uh, this is a whole other episode at some point, but uh, Reading will always be my hometown, and mm. it will like I've lived a lot of places in my life, um, in a lot of countries, and some of them are you know in inverted commas cool places to live and you know exciting and hip places to live, but yeah. Reading has something to me because it's it's my hometown and I have deep roots there and every corner I'm like oh, I remember that I remember that and so yeah Reading Reading is super special for me so. So I'm going to leave a little bit of homework for me and Rob to round it out. Okay. So we've done the first two songs of a playlist of a mixtape. 
I'm going to say we should finish that off and get it to 10. Okay, 10 songs. So a, a 10 song mixtape. Uh, Spotify, Spotify playlist is fine. Um, we will. I'll put the links in the show notes so you, all you guys at home can hear them as well. But it's Rob for me and then me for Rob. Um, and we will we'll put that together so that we can share those with you. Um, no more spoilers in this episode. You have to listen to the link to hear what we've done. Um, and maybe at some point, Rob and I will do a little mini episode in which we explain our choices, talk about what we did and how we did it. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good little bit of homework for us to uh, do from now before I release it. <laughs> you, you, you're calling that work. That there is nothing work-wise about what, what's going to happen here. No, I'm genuinely looking forward to that. I'm, pretty, uh, <laughs> I'm already thinking about it. Um, but anyway, <laughs> till next time, guys. Um, you can find me on Twitter. It's my place to find me. Find me there, at Rob Kaiju. You can find me also on Twitter. Um, look for Konohito, C-O-N-O-J-I-T-O. And we will be back with another episode in a couple of weeks. Uh, until then, we have been uh, the Robs, and these are the dice. Bye. Roll on, baby. Roll on. Lovely job. <laughs>